Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, welcome everyone to the Brainiac podcast. Uh, so for those that don't know, we're coming from the University of Toronto um, in... Um, uh, in Toronto, Ontario, um, and we are affiliated with the Concussion Legacy Foundation of Canada, um, and we're really thankful to be starting our own podcast, especially given um, the pandemic and everything. This is a great time to do something um, that can be accessed from accessed remotely from anywhere, basically. Um, and so, thank you to Concussion Talk um, and Nick Mercer, who um, is helping put us uh, put this on. Um, and if anybody has not read about Nick's incredible story, um, I recommend you go to concussiontalk.com because it's, it's, it's crazy what he's been through. So um, very impressive. Um, and today we are going to have Joseph Carrere, um, who is a, a fellow was a fellow student and is now a graduate of the University of Toronto. Um, and Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Dina, for having me. Thank you so much. We're really happy to have you and um, excited to hear. Um, I'm excited to hear your story again. Um, it, yeah. it really made an impression on me the first time I heard it, and I'm sure it will um, be really insightful for many of the listeners of this podcast. So, um, so yeah, tell us maybe um, what you were studying at the University of Toronto um, and um, what age you were when you initially um, started your road into um, concussions. So I studied kinesiology, the same degree as Adina at U of T. I sort of got an appreciation along the way for sports medicine. And uh, I got concussed when I was in grade 11, the, the one that was pretty bad. And uh, that sort of cannonballed me into this interest in concussion research in the brain and the way that works. And uh, so I've sort of done a little bit of research. I did an undergraduate project with one of the concussion experts over at U of T. I'm looking to do my master's in a concussion-based research project. So that's kind of where I'm looking to sort of funnel my experience into uh, productivity. That's, yeah, that's um, that's amazing that you put, like, I guess, a painful experience into hopefully something that at some point will be positive and productive. So that's awesome. And um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you had multiple concussions in a fairly short succession of time, right? 
Uh, it wasn't too short of a succession. They were pretty spread out. It was just that my last one, I did not, uh, I did not let myself recover, as oh. you've heard from my story. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they were pretty spread out. It just my last one was not, uh, I did not let myself recover. Okay. Okay. And so, and how many did you have in total, you think? I probably had around five. Five. Yeah. And so, yeah, for those that don't know, Joseph um, is, is very athletic. So you played hockey and what other sports, Joseph? At the time of my concussion, I was on the school hockey team, my club hockey team, uh, the indoor track team, and uh, I was a part of a personal fitness program as well. Okay. And so, and so something that Joseph's um, talked to me about, and that's something that we try to um, hit home when we do presentations as well, um, is just how it's so important that you take a concussion seriously because the repercussions will be so much more serious down the road if you don't do that. So, um, yeah, so so that's would that be like your main regret, Joseph? It's yeah, I think the fact that I didn't and, you know, coming off of this experience, uh, this six year road that it's been, I sort of my main hit on point when I'm done whatever speaking about my story is that sports are important. And athletics are important, and people who say it's it's just a game, I don't necessarily agree with that because that's where a lot of people get their confidence from, their identity, they get they their pride stems from being and participating in sports. Mm-hmm. That being said, your quality of life and your health is even more important than that. Yeah. And when you're when you're trying to decide between the two, my goal after you know sharing my story is to let people know that it should not even be a question that your health is going to be more important than your sport participation. Yeah. No, I think that's an, I couldn't agree more. Um, and so can you, cause six years, um, that that's uh, like a lot of time. Can you yeah, talk a little bit about how, um, your symptoms and just your, like your state kind of progressed or where your ups and downs were, how it was at the beginning, when it maybe got better, when you had maybe like a relapse a little bit, like just talk a little bit about what the progression was like throughout the six years. Yeah, so six years is a lot to sort of funnel into one summary, but at first, as I've told you, I wasn't dealing with it properly. So when I initially got injured uh, or my concussion, I had just come off an 11th month ligament tear. Like I was, I had just recovered from that. And I was a month into one of my sports. I chose one to sort of deal with, just come back slowly. And uh, I got hit from behind and I was concussed. And I just spent 11 months off of all the sports that I had loved. There was, sports was probably the one thing I loved most. And it is one of the still things I love most. So not being able to participate in it for 11 months was, I wasn't a very happy person. So that one month that I was back, I sort of been able to, I sort of felt like I found myself again. And then to get hit from behind into the boards, around an hour later, I started to get the symptoms in the car. My first feeling was devastation. I did not, I mean, I was, as I just said, I just, I was injured for 11 months. I was off of sports for 11 months. And now I face the prospect of not participating in them and being feeling isolated for another month or however long the concussion recovery would have been. Mm-hmm. And I mean, immediately after that, I also experienced some guilt and that was guilt towards my parents, guilt towards my 
my my teammates and my coaches because I mean I, I happened to be the captain of my team at the time they relied on me to be on the ice I wasn't there last season um towards my parents in regards to the fact that if I think my dad the one person that loved watching me play as much as I loved playing was my father so not being able to to let him see me play really really hurt me uh they also just spent thousands of dollars of on hockey, which um, compared to a little hockey, which is not guaranteed back if you get injured. Uh, and I mean, it sort of all these emotions sort of funneled into me ignoring my symptoms and saying, I'll play through it. It'll it'll take a bit longer to recover, but it'll go away. So I sort of pushed through it for about I did my best to skip practices and I went to games. Uh, my coaches were sort of questioning what was going on, but I, I sort of just figured out a way to go go about it. And I, uh, it was my fifth game in where, I mean, I was battling pressure in my head, bad headaches, neck pain, and it sort of kept escalating. And I thought it would go the opposite way, but it wasn't. It kept escalating to the point where I was in the car after the fifth game and like half my head on the right side was a bit numb. And I said to my, my dad, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I told him everything and uh, it was a little bit too late because I've been dealing with post-concussion syndrome for every single day of my life six years later. Uh, following that recovery, I'd say the, or following that moment, I'd say the first two years was still me battling my injury and the fact that I was still in, injured. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, post-injury, I sort of, I wouldn't say I fell into a depression, but my doctor did recognize that I was not a happy individual. Yeah. And that I, yeah, I was down in the dumps for the most part. It was kind of hard not to be, you know, everything you do is, is like hindered by symptoms. And I guess I can go into explaining that a bit after like the types of symptoms and uh, how they affected my life. Mm -hmm. No, we definitely want to hear that. Yeah, I can explain that in a bit. They, um, so my doctor sort of put me on antidepressants, which was big for me because they, I think it gave me the opportunity to sort of settle my mood and get my mood in a position where I was able to accept my injury. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sort of say, okay, this is what I got to do to sort of collect myself dealing with life at the same time and trying to progress my career with my academics as well as my social life uh, in the right direction. Yeah. And then I think that was a big turning point. Uh, when it wasn't like a certain like an exact date or anything like that it was more so just like a progression into the fact that I uh, I started to understand and accept my injury for what it is become comfortable with things not not be embarrassed by any of it just it is what it is I this is what I deal with and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna push through things as best as I can right yeah and I'd say the next ever since then it's just been a learning progress, a learning process. Um, I've been coming gradually more healthy, which is nice. And uh, I've been increasing my physical activity in the past four years. I've had some bumps in the road where, you know, I hit my head again accidentally. And it's, it's interesting because that surge of guilt comes back right away. And I think the guilt has now transitioned into the fact that I didn't treat myself properly from the beginning. But I sort of use that as a motivation to treat myself properly when I hit a bump in the road again uh and yeah so the last four years since I've since those first two sort of ended have been just me trying to trying to do my best with what I can and do my best to get healthy 
once again. And it's been a long road because of setbacks and just the nature of slow recovering brain injuries. But uh, yeah, I'd say if that was to, if I was to lay out my general progression, that would be it. My first two years and then the four years post of just gradually recovering health wise, mentally wise and uh, getting myself on track. That's yeah, that's incredible, Joseph. And I think it's great that you have such a growth mindset because um, I think like this would be such an like it's a horrible experience. So I think a lot of people uh, probably wouldn't have been able to to have such a growth mindset and to just, you know, just focus on recovery and everything. And I think it's interesting that you point out the emotional aspects of it as well, because we talk a lot about the physical symptoms of concussions. But it, it really is an emotional trauma in a way as like in a way as well when you talk about the guilt and everything. So, yeah, um, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so what were what were like the perceptions from like your friends and your family? I'm assuming some people were more supportive than others, um, because as many people who have had concussions um, have have uh, realized it is an invisible disability. So a lot of people don't have the respect for it that they should. Um, so what was your experience like in that regard? Uh, for the most part, and I, I mean, this is a pretty big topic because one of the reasons we do the concussion, uh, the concussion speaks at different, different universities and high schools is to get across the fact that concussion has become this word that it's a little abstract and like to some individuals who may not be in sports and uh or have never heard of it before or not in healthcare field they just know it's not good um but getting a true understanding of what it is is important when you're actually sort of surrounded or when you are one of the individuals who is surrounding it like the person that has been concussed because it is a complex injury um and in my case i would like to say people were as unlike my family members were as understanding as they could be, but their lack of knowledge regarding how, what the concussions are and how they progress and the symptoms around them and how debilitating they can truly be sort of limited their empathy to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand that because it's hard to be empathetic for a person for a pretty long time or for, you know, for an extended period of time. Yeah. But I would say that, unfortunately, my experience, not only with my family, but even my friends and stuff, it's just that, and I don't fault them for it, but it wasn't that, I do not believe most people understood exactly what I was going through. Yeah. Um, doctors was a different case because, you know, they've been trained in that. But my social circle wasn't, not that they weren't supportive, they just didn't understand what it was that I was going through. And that made it hard for them to support me in the right way. And again, I don't fault them for it because they, they've they never been exposed to the injury and they've never been taught what, what it's like to, to have one. Yeah. And I think it's important that people who are in a sports setting who will be surrounded or will be the individuals surrounding those that can be concussed, be educated on what the factors that are come into play when an individual is concussed because it could help so much in the concussion recovery process both for the individual mentally and for them, you know, so that it takes off the stress, but also for them physically, because it places them in a social circle that is supportive for their health recovery and, and being able to go to a doctor on time and not feel guilty about missing class if they have to and, and such like that. 
Yeah. And on that note, because we can't expect that everybody listening to this podcast is well-versed in concussion yeah. necessarily. So for people that don't know what Joseph is is still dealing with every single day is something called post-concussion syndrome. So essentially a concussion causes um, a variety of symptoms, but typically you do heal from the concussion um, and it, it can vary, but uh, maybe a couple weeks later, um, again, it's highly variant. But so post-concussion syndrome is essentially when months later or years later, you are not symptom-free. So you're still dealing with a concussion that happened a very long time ago. So, um, and there's been, there's been many professional athletes that um, deal with this, many everyday people that you may know that might have post-concussion syndrome. And it's... Um, yeah, just like Joseph has shared with us, can be really devastating. Um, and so, Joseph, I'm assuming you um, you did undergo different types of um, therapies, and I know that there are also yeah. more coming out right now, like kind of experimental ones as well, physiotherapy, um, among others. So do you want to talk about um, some of the therapies that you tried to sure. use to reduce your symptoms? Yeah, so it's very specific to the symptom, and that's the first thing I would say. And for anybody that might be watching that it is concussed or who is um, who is like a family member or within the social circle of an individual who may be concussed, it's very specific to their symptoms. And they sh they'll have to speak to a doctor about which to go, like which route they should take in terms of their therapy. Uh, for myself, I, I went from... Mostly like physiotherapy, working on my neck because I had some some serious neck symptoms, and that those that's probably the one that's still sticking with me right now. Um, to exercise, which has probably been the most influential for me, aerobic exercise, and gradually increasing the intensity, and then eventually putting in some impacts. That to me, and I mean, you and I didn't have been exposed to that because of our because of our degree in kinesiology, but a lot of people. Um, they don't hear about the exercise portion of it. And a lot of them think that it's not good to do exercise post-concussion. Mm -hmm. But I think a bunch of studies are coming out there showing that exercise, aerobic exercise, at a like moderate intensity, as long as your symptoms don't spike, like a couple of days post-concussion is actually beneficial for you. Uh, again, you'd have to talk to your doctor about the route you want to take. Uh, but that has definitely been the most influential for myself. And that has been the route that most doctors have taken with me which is to try and get myself on the bike. And I've progressed over the six years to the point where I am being able to run outside now uh, on grass, being doing sprints. And personally, that is, it's really big because it's been a long time since I've been able to sprint without having serious symptoms. Um, I also tried a diet recently. Um, it was a, there's a whole bunch of them out. And I know the doctor, I know a bunch of doctors are speaking about the Mediterranean one. I ended up going with the gluten-free one after talking with the naturopathic doctor. Um, it didn't do anything per se. It was gluten-free anti-inflammatory just to essentially try to reduce any inflammation that might be still occurring mm -hmm. in, in my brain. Um, I, I personally wouldn't say it did anything directly for my, for, for my, my symptoms, but it did put myself in a, it did put the rest of my body in a healthier state, which you could argue puts your, the, puts your brain in a better position to heal. Um, and I have heard of people anecdotally working for them, the gluten-free one. But yeah, I think eating right, exercise, uh, and there, like you said, there are some other experimental things coming out that I, I haven't pushed too hard for yet because I'd like to see what the evidence is on them before I 
before I go into them. Mm -hmm. But those have been the major ones that I've, I've sort of stuck with. I find it interesting that you brought up um, <clears throat> the anti-inflammatory one um, because my, si my sister was actually concussed um, in March and she also tried her, um, the physio recommended that she try the gluten-free anti-inflammatory. So um, she's actually still doing it just because she likes it. But um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. I was a little skeptical when I first heard that. But um, yeah, I'm going to have to look up some of those studies because that's, yeah, I mean, you said it didn't yeah. necessarily work for you or you didn't notice a huge difference. But really interesting that, um, yeah, the diet, you know, you, had you wouldn't necessarily expect it. Yeah, it's one of those things you overlook because it's just a natural, I mean, not necessarily easy because changing your diet may not be easy, but it's sort of just a natural way of placing your body in a position that is better suited to heal. Yeah. Um, by, by fueling yourself with with things that that it runs off, better off of um, so that your brain is in a better position to heal itself with the nutrients that you're providing uh, rather than eating like inflammatory things uh, like like omega-6 fats and such like and things like that uh, i think the gluten stems the, like taken away from gluten stems from the fact that like the the gut and blood barrier, barrier and that it might inflame the gut and then the brain um yeah. i'm not super well versed in it but i know that for some individuals and like there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that it has worked but uh i don't know about any research papers that are out there that say like yeah going gluten-free will help personally it didn't but it doesn't mean for somebody else it won't yeah, no, that's a uh, good advice. And yeah, the more, the more you try, the better, I guess. One other one that I found really, um, like, and I, I'm not sure if, have you ever had, um, any of the eye tracking, um, the yeah. eye tracking therapy? Is that something you've ever tried? I forgot to mention you have vestibular ocular therapy. Yeah, I've done, I've done some of that as well. And that's, that's helped like, with uh, my eye strain and, and whatnot. I, uh, just try to strengthen the muscles again, re-coordinate them, and that has helped. Um, I did that a while ago. I think that's why I forgot it. And once it was, once I had it set, it's been pretty good. Okay, that's. Uh, yeah. I think then, just another note. Sorry. Yeah. No, go for just it. Just another note on eating. I, I think like as long as you're attempting to eat healthy, like yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to stress too much about sticking to a particular diet. Mm -hmm. But I think as long as you're attempting to to eat healthy and place yourself in a, a decent position to heal, that you're doing the right thing for yourself. Perfect. No, that's, uh, that's awesome advice. And then, um, with regard to the tracking, um, or sorry, I didn't know what was the, the precise word you used for that therapy? Uh, they call it, they call it when they speak to me, vestibular ocular therapy. And it, is that, it's often for screen use? Am I correct in saying that or? They, they can do tests to screen to see if your vestibular system or like the muscles in your eyes are not coordinated, uh, if that's what's causing some of your symptoms. Um, yeah, no, I actually know. screens like reading screens like a computer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that could, yeah, it can, it plays a role in that as well. I think I put, I put my screen on, uh, on that nighttime mode. Yeah. To reduce blue light. Yeah. That, uh, that actually helps me a lot as well. Okay, and that's a it's a good avenue for me to ask um, the next thing that I wanted to ask you about. Can you talk a little bit about how it has been doing a university degree? Because I mean, clearly, like yeah. in this uh, day and age, um, for those that don't know, we don't really like read books in university anymore. Yeah. Everything is on your computer. So that is, if that is one of your symptoms, I don't even know how you would begin to tackle a university degree. So how did you manage that? 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The first two years were pretty rough. Um, I was pretty much going into, these were the first two years or first two years and a half where I wasn't the happiest person. I wasn't in the proper mindset to, to be healing myself. I was sort of pushing through, I was still pushing through, I wasn't pushing through physical activity, but I was pushing through my everyday life without giving my, my brain an opportunity to, to just take it, take just relax for a second. Mm. And, uh, it was pretty rough because I was trying to handle for a course load. Uh, I could only stare at a screen for like 15 minutes without getting symptoms. I was writing every paper with pretty pretty bad symptoms. I was going into every exam with a, a pretty major headache. Uh, there were times where I would just have to stop studying prior to exam because it was it was either I study and get the symptoms and not be able to write the exam properly or I don't study, stick with what I know and hope that on the exam, my symptoms aren't too strong enough that I can't write it properly. Um, and that's kind of how it went for the first two years. I was, I had a setback in my second year where I, we have these things called practicals. Uh, you know, you, you know, them. <laughs> they're like, they're kind of like a, gym class where you learn movement fundamentals and things like that uh and there was some physical activity involved i did my best to you know not not participate in it but someone actually ran into me and we bumped heads and that was a big setback and i thought i was gonna have to drop out i started to push after a month like to try and still get through my academics but i couldn't and i went to my doctor and at that time i uh I didn't know how to be a great patient either. I didn't know how to express myself super well. And I think that's also something that comes with time. And it's big for, for anybody dealing with an injury, not just concussions, being able to express yourself properly to your doctor. And I finally 
I finally sort of expressed myself in a way where he understood what was going on. And he, he put me on, that's when he put me on the antidepressants and he says, listen, we need to reduce your course load and we need to put you on accessibility services. And those three things sort of really helped with my, my being able to deal with my academics, the reduced course load, taking things with time and being able to write things with accessibility were, were huge in me being able to manage my symptoms while still completing my academic degree. And not just completing it, but being able to complete it to, to it's my fullest ability. Mm-hmm. And for those that, because I'm, I'm sure it's called different things at different institutions, but uh, so at, at the University of Toronto, at least, accessibility services, um, basically, um, it comes, it depends on what your condition is, but um, I'm assuming for you, Joseph, it would have included like extra time on tests and things like that? Yeah, it was extra, it was extra time on tests. Um, if I wanted to hand her an assignment late, I'd have to let the, the professor know. Um, I think you get an extra, like, your own room while you're writing your exam. You get a hot pack and stuff. Just anything that they can do to reduce your symptoms and anything they can do to essentially say, okay, he's symptomatic right now. Uh, we understand that he wasn't able to hand his, in his assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially like that. I didn't use that one as much, but the the time on test was really big. Okay. And, um, and, and so you, and you did find that that was a big help. Like you were oh, it was huge. That's awesome. It was huge because I, not just the fact that um, you're going through the symptoms, but the stress that you have to make a deadline with your head feeling terrible is, it adds, it, it takes even more of a toll. Mm-hmm. So it sort of relieved to let me know that my university sort of had my back in that respect as best they could. Yeah. Um, and it made my made going getting through my degree a lot easier or it made it actually doable yeah that is awesome and so you just graduated so con- yeah. uh, congratulations on that thank you very much i appreciate that that's awesome and so uh like joseph said earlier you want to pursue um at least for some time um research and concussion so um that's fantastic i look forward to hearing more about that and then um another thing that i had wanted to ask you um in with regard to your time, um, like in school, um, I remember when I did the presentation or one of the presentations with you that you mentioned also how your social life was affected, which I found interesting because I think that's again something that does not cross people's minds um, initially when they think of uh, concussions. Um, so yeah, you, if you want to just talk about like being a teenager and then a young adult um, and not being able to maybe participate in some social activities with your friends, like what, how that was for you. And um, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's probably every, there's a whole bunch of different avenues, but social life is definitely a big one that comes into play when you're trying to, trying to mentally do with your symptoms. Um, you get to relieve stress with your friends, uh, even with, just to be able to hang out and I think mostly the fact that people didn't fully understand what was going through made it things a little difficult my friends were still supportive but it wasn't necessary they just didn't have that base understanding and be having to deal with the symptoms while doing things that I would normally do like go to clubs um, I mean, usually you'd go out and you have a couple of drinks. Those are all things I couldn't do uh, at first. I pushed through it the first two years and it didn't go very well. But um, I think that 
over time it gets it gets a little more easy but at first the first two years i'd say for example i mean i'm at a birthday party with my family we're all we're all all the men are cheersing to my dad's 50th party with champagne and i have to put my hand in the air rather than having a glass and it's those little things like that that build up over time that make things really difficult to deal with um i've, I've become okay with things and i think those the being getting my mood settled put me in a mindset that you know i understand where i'm at i'm not guilty about i don't feel guilty about this i don't feel left out about things but uh there are other examples like when your friends are going to clubs, you have to wait those two extra seconds to put on your earplugs outside. <laughs> like I don't really walk anywhere without my earplugs because uh, you can get into a bad situation if something's too loud and can't avoid it. So for example, if I'm going out to a club, I have to wear earplugs. Uh, I have people asking me, what are those things in your ears? And I'm just like, they're earplugs. I need them because, and you know, it's you're in the middle of a club now explaining that you have to deal with post-concussive syndrome. <laughs> so it's like... Not the best place. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best place. You're yelling and it's like, there's there's a whole bunch of different social implications. And I, I was able to not let it get too far thanks to the help of my doctor. But I think... For others, it could take a serious toll on their mental health and it could really put them into a spiral where it's like, I'm dealing with this injury and now I it's affecting not only my health, but my relationship with the people who I care about most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's doing so in a fashion that is is separating me from them. I, I'm feeling isolated. I have to do things that, is, that are differently. Um, and you just stop feeling as connected to, to certain people. Um, I, I was fortunate enough I think to catch that when it was headed towards peak and sort of reversed its direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then I've become comfortable with my injury, but I know, I know of a lot of stories where it hasn't been the case. Yeah. And that, I think that also comes, it just plays into the fact that I think people need to become educated on concussions if they're going to be surrounded or in that social circle of individuals who will be concussed. So athletes, um, the parents of athletes, the coaches of athletes, the friends of athletes. Um, I think, I think it's important that they understand what it's like to go through the injury um, so that they can help not take, basically relieve any of those extra stressors and let the person know that it's okay to do what you have to do in order to be a functional individual in a social society. And so, um, and so besides, so if you want to just give maybe a couple examples, cause I think that's really impressionable that you're, that you're still dealing with it, unfortunately. So earplugs is something that, that's something that you bring with you everywhere you go. Is that correct? Yeah, I pretty much bring them everywhere I go. Uh, just cause if I run into this person, if I run into a situation where there's a really loud noise, I mean. I can plug my ears for half an hour or I can put my earplugs in because if I, if I just let the noise hit my ears, I will be symptomatic for at least a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and when you're trying to be a functional individual who's able to, you know, go to work the next day or go to school the next day, you, you can't have, you don't want those symptoms. And so what are some of your other triggers? Cause I think one time you said something about that, if I, if I recall correctly, you told me something about the time that you wake up can affect, um, can affect how your symptoms will be like that day. Is that true or? Yeah, uh, that's sleep is definitely getting good. Sleep is definitely one of the things that helps me manage my symptoms. And mm-hmm. if I don't, um, it's not, 
I'll just I'll have symptoms for the day. Uh, yeah. Waking up early, sort of, even sometimes even if I do get a healthy amount of sleep, waking up early just sets me off, and I know that's a common symptom. Um, that's one of them. Uh, physical activity and exercise is another symptom. Screen time has been a a one for a pretty long time. Um, I was actually able to tackle that this quarantine. Uh, and that one has gotten a lot better. But at the time where I was describing it to you, that was definitely one of my major triggers. Uh, just having to do a lot of or place a lot of cognitive effort into tasks for an extended period of time um, would, would set me off. That has also gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, this quarantine personally has, or, you know, with the whole pandemic going on and us having to essentially isolate for a little bit, uh, I took that as an opportunity to hone in on my symptoms without having to tend to the stresses of academics and, uh, and even, and even work. Mm -hmm. So it's really been, it's, it's, I've been able to tackle those things and it's actually been beneficial uh, for me to have the time to do that. I know for others, it's not the case. I've spoken to others where they need to be social in order to deal with the mental health aspects of dealing with concussion. Mm -hmm. But personally, it, I've been able to tackle a lot of things since the last time I spoke to you. That, so I've been, I've been I've improved. Um, and I think that's actually another thing I want to mention when you asked me to be on this, this podcast is that as, as rough as it might get, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know the Concussion Legacy Foundation likes to, to stress that. Uh, and it's good because for people who may be halfway through the recovery and they don't know it yet, they just they just need to know that there is that light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as you focus on your progression, you're doing good for yourself. That's so awesome to hear. I'm really happy to hear that the quarantine has been been good for you too. Cause I think initially I would have thought the opposite because everything's remote. So you're basically like tied to your screen mm -hmm. um, for so many like things that you normally would do in person, but that I'm so happy to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, you're kind of right. At first, you have to. I had to push through screen symptoms, but as long, I managed it with one of my healthcare providers in, in a sense that we did it in a sort of planned way, so that I could push through symptoms while not doing it too much. That it's a setback, mm -hmm. and being able, I wouldn't be able to do that normally when I'd have to go to school the next day. But if I don't have any responsibilities of for the next week or so, I can handle maybe giving myself symptoms the next day as long as it's manageable yeah uh, they reside and then I tackle it again I mean when, when you get this far out like six years in it goes from wanting to avoid symptoms as much as possible uh to you might have to deal with some in order to recover mm -hmm. you may have to push through a bit of your triggers in order to recover but that's something uh, you know everyone has to speak to their doctor about and manage properly it's not to, yeah because it could be dangerous not to not to do it with a plan for sure and so um no, that's, um, and so what would be like your lasting statement? Like if somebody were to ask, um, yeah, what would be your advice to people listening? Um, um, yeah, if, if they ever have a concussion, what would be like your, your, your statement to them? I think that my major statement would be for individuals who are in the recovery process and are trying to understand how to deal with it, first and foremost, that your quality of life and your health is probably the most important thing that, that you have. And I understand, I deeply understand the importance of sports and the fact that there are big games out there and championship games are important. And, and that, that scout that's watching you, that is very, that is very important. 
those things are big. They are they're big for like psychological development, social development of people. But at the end of the day, your quality of life and your health is what is most important because none of that is going to matter if you are not healthy. And if you have to miss out on certain things in order to maintain your health, do not feel guilty in doing so. On top of that, the guilt in the with regards to guilt, do not feel guilty for the position you are in. Um, I understand that you might be in a situation where your social circle doesn't doesn't know what you are going through. And I would say open up about that to them. Open up about, about sorry, open up to your doctors about that so they can help you place your mindset in a proper position to heal yourself. Perfect. Yeah. And um and again, what we always um, hit home at the end of the presentations as well. If you are concussed, just like Joseph said, all of those other external things like uh, scouts or like awards or like competitions, they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. So take it seriously. Even if you think that maybe it's just a mild, mild concussion, um, just like get off the court or get off the field yeah. and um, go seek medical help. Um and yeah, so thank you so much for joining us, Joseph. I, um, I yeah, always- Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, even though there are many like sad moments to your story, I always enjoy hearing it just because I think it's so impressionable t for people. And all those little moments that you point out, like the earplugs or like the, the toast at the party and everything, I think it's those little things that um, really like like kind of make an impression on people and uh, make them realize that they have to take something like this seriously. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Dean. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the chance to share my story and, and like in hopes that anyone in, will feel better about the situation they're in. So I appreciate you having me. Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, keep us, keep us updated and um uh, yeah, keep. I hope that that you keep progressing throughout the. I mean, quarantine unfortunately is not over yet. So, hope no. at the end of this whole thing, you will be even better. Thank you, Dina. That's awesome. So this concludes our very first Brainiac podcast. Thank you so much to all the listeners for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Um, and we're so happy that we've started this podcast. It's going to be a monthly podcast with a different guest each month and thank you again to nick mercer from concussion talk as well as the concussion legacy foundation of canada we would also like to thank our sponsor head check health which bridges the gap in concussion care through simple powerful technology join our organizations like the canadian football league trek factory racing the canadian junior hockey league eastern washington university and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. We would also like to thank www.bensound.com for our music today.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.